Hi everyone, hello, hello, welcome to another Reality Check Leadership Podcast, another show, another week, another two amazing guests. This time we're going to talk about happiness at work and laughter, and I have two amazing guests that I'm going to bring in right away. Their names are Alexander Karolf and also my dear friend Pete McCann. Pete Can. That's that's how it is. How are you guys? Welcome. I'm awesome. How are you? I'm fine. Let me tell you that... Uh, let me tell my audience that you guys are responsible for my incredible shirt of today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for those who, who didn't catch that, uh, Pete and I were we were t uh, chatting backstage before the we went live, and and Pete was saying, you know, or you were saying, so you met, you missed the shirt memo, and we actually exactly. made you. I think we forced you to go change your shirt until you had something colorful as well. So yeah, which I did. Peer pressure, it works. It does. I think we should have a vote as well in the comments. Who's who's got the best shirt? Who's your favorite? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Guys, thanks so much for, for for jumping in into this this live. So today we're gonna talk. We're gonna uh, talk about happiness. We're gonna talk about positive vibration. So happiness at work, laughter, and all those things that bring so much energy and positive vibes to us. But uh, before we dive into that uh, subject, uh, I'm gonna. Uh, challenge you for a cool startup game which I normally do with all my guests so the game is called more than one story so I'm gonna share with you so at, at the end I'm gonna ask you to share a small story about you but starting with um, something with a word with a, with a sentence that I'm gonna provide you okay so it's quite it's quite simple let me share my screen see where this will take us today here we are you can see this more than one story all right so uh, let's start with with you pete for example let's see what's what sentence oh cool <laughs> pete, this is completely random huh? really tell the story about the time when you got angry got angry wow yes. okay okay so uh how angry is angry like really angry or <laughs> You, you got angry. You, yeah, really angry. Let's, if you have one of those, I want to know. I, road rage. That's where <laughs> I, I story. Okay, so I'm driving. I'm driving down a dual carriageway, and there were some roadworks. So it was filtering into one lane, and we we're all sort of moving into one lane. And this guy just didn't want to let me in. He just didn't want to let me in. He just kept nudging, and I just kept nudging. And I was seeing red. He was seeing red. I was seeing red. So much so, he would like slammed the top of my bonnet like out the window, and I was just like, oh. And yeah, so that was when I'd probably get angry. I got angry, and I think road rage is is a nightmare for getting angry. It's so it quickly from there, not to angry really quickly. What, what do you think makes us so you know so crazy while we are driving it's like what does what does does that mean i think i mean personally i think you're in your own little bubble right. so you're just in protected yeah i think and then you know you and you don't know what else is going on in other people's world so you and you're just maybe you you you, you it's quite can be quite stressful it can be well it can be relaxing to drive but it can also be quite stressful if you're in a hurry to get somewhere and you're running late or if you don't know where you're going so i think that can quite quickly turn those emotions from sort of stress to anger but you know it's all that that's what my thoughts are yeah cool pete thank you so much for sharing that road rage <laughs> road rage story Alex, let's go to you. Let's go to yes. you. Let's see what, what randomize. Let's go play. Oh, 
Tell a story about a memory from school. Oh man, um, I remember uh, one of my favorite stories to tell about uh, my time at university. Uh, I have a master's degree in computer science, so I studied uh, a lot of math, physics, engineering. And one of the classes I remember best was a class in uh, quantum physics. And I remember it because the teacher was so, it, it was a complex topic, but the teacher was so passionate about it in a really happy way. And I remember specifically one class where he, we, he had spent the previous two classes just building up to like one result and, 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 and uh, basically deriving, uh, I think he was deriving Schrodinger, uh, uh, one of the fundamental equations, I forget what he wanted, one of the fundamental equations in quantum physics. And finally, he has the result he wants. He puts two lines under it, and then he goes, and that's what we were looking for. <laughs> and he was so excited. And, and I'm sure he's taught that class like a million times. He's, he knows this result. But he was still excited for it because math is beautiful and physics is beautiful. And he got to share it with us. And that, you know, those are the kinds of teachers uh, that are amazing. I, I had a similar teacher in high school um, mm -hmm. who taught us. Um, uh, it's a class that, that most Danish students have in high school, which is uh, ancient history. So the ancient Greeks and the Romans, that kind of thing. You know, the, the literature, the art, yeah. society at the time. And again, this could be really super boring. But he just managed to teach us this entire so topic in a way that was engaging, exciting, um, and and we loved it because because he loved it. Uh, those are my favorite memories from school. That that's great, and and you have also the other the other way around, right? You have teachers where you just want you don't even want to go inside the room. Because they could. They could. So I remember. I, I, I remember a few of those as well. I did not yeah. share those stories. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys for, for having shared that. Let me just say hello to all, to all the, the, the um, old people that are listening. So there's here a comment in Portuguese. Luis, I'm a, I'm a fan of, of these lives. I'm starting to become, to, to be, uh, you know, to come on a, a regular basis. LinkedIn user. I don't know why this is not giving the name of, of the person. I also have Beatriz. Hello, Beatriz. How are you? Beatriz Madureira. Well, she also works a lot on this area of happiness at work, so... I'm not quite sure, but I think he, she maybe have gone to one of your courses in Denmark, yes. Alex. I think I've, I've met a lot of those people in Portuguese in Portugal that that have, have spent a couple of days there. Yeah, we have some great people from Portugal come up uh, and do our academy, and uh, and uh, they've been running online recently as well. We are happy people. Yes, I hope. Yes, <laughs> Pete. You now taking in fact this. Do you find you work mostly in um, with people from the UK from? from you know Europe uh, or North America do you have any specific uh, audience just for my um, understanding yeah I suppose because everything's online at the moment right it's it is predominantly UK led yeah. at the moment but I have done stuff with um, some companies in Germany and also in North America uh, I've done a few jobs as well so yeah. again it's just running zoom laughter sessions so exactly. um, obviously we can be anywhere we're, 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 we're across three countries at the moment aren't we which is amazing exactly cool well, I'm gonna get into that I was just more uh, um, no I was curious to see if you also um, already understood differences in culture uh, you know, the way people interact with with those sessions those laughter sessions um, but you will tell me more about that soon Give me a second. Let's okay. go to the why, right? Let's go to the why. 
And let's go to why uh, why are you why do you do that work today? So Pete, let's let's go to you. Give give us please you know a short story of how did you became you know Pete Can the Laughter Man, which is I think how you you know how you how you announce yourself on your on your laughter sessions. Yeah, Can definitely. I just say I, I want I want a I want a job function that rhymes with my name, but nothing <laughs> rhymes with Keolif. That's it. it's a, it's interesting because we like reminiscing of school. I used to be Pete Can the Dustbin Man. That was that was my nickname. So it's just that. So when when it came to sort of naming myself, it's like well, like, the Laughter Man. It has to be, and and with a surname Can, it's like it's 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 a quite a positive positive uh, surname. Mm -hmm. So. Um, but uh, so I discovered laughter yoga. So that's that's what I um, teach mm -hmm. uh, back in 2016. So I was at a festival um, in the UK and I heard laughter uh, in the Arboretum. And I thought to myself, there was a comedian on stage. So I walked around the corner and as I walked around the corner, 100 people lying on the floor laughing. And I was like, really? I know I'm at a festival but what is going on right now? <laughs> and uh, there was a sign that said uh, laughter yoga daily at half 11. So I, I went back and saw Chloe and my kids and I said, look, I'm going to go and do laughter yoga tomorrow. And they were like, go on, daddy, go and enjoy yourself. So I went and did this session and, and the lying down bits, the end of the session when it comes to laughter yoga. So we did all these laughing and breathing exercises and we then lay down at the end and I just couldn't stop laughing. Like literally was just crying, doubled over with laughter. And when I felt that I'd stopped laughing, someone just started giggling to my left and, and chuckled to the right and boom, I was off again. And it was probably for about 10, maybe even 15 minutes, this laughter floating carpet was going on. And we, we do a meditation at the end of a laughter yoga session. Mm -hmm. So once we did the meditation, I sat up and I felt really high. I felt really wired, really just spaced out, just but in a really good way. And I was just like, I can't believe that we've got this within us. And um, and that was it. And I remember going back and seeing Chloe, my wife, and I was just like that. Wow, she's like, Pete, it's 12 o'clock. What, 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 what have you been doing? And I'm just like, it's laughter, it's laughter. And um, so that was sort of 2016. And then I sort of used it a little bit in my my other business that I, I have. I run a, a chef agency, recruitment agency in Bristol. Mm -hmm. And um, so I started bringing it a little bit into work um, for my own personal gain and some of the team meetings I was doing. And then 2019, I went, actually, I want to do more of this. And, you know, I, I've got my corporate background, which which is which is fine. It pays the bills. But actually, the red hat, the fun, just being able to bring this joy to people was definitely on my agenda. So in 2019, I started doing a few corporate jobs, started going into workplaces. And then obviously, when the COVID kicked in 2020, um, my hospitality agency literally ground to a halt. And I started laughing on a daily basis with other people online, not again, because it was funny, but because I knew how laughter had power for me. And within, it was probably about two to three weeks into this laughing online. I was like, wait there, this works. People are getting something from this. And then next thing, someone offered to pay me some money to do it. I was like, whoa, there's a business model with this. So, uh, and then, and then the next, the rest is history, really. So, you know, I run sort of two to three workshops a week at the moment with corporates and go into Zoom rooms and, you know, turn up. I'm I like, they're, they're there for their team meeting. Then this guy with this red hat just turns up and I just run my sessions and, and, I, I, I say this because I believe it, but I found my thing. I found what really makes me happy. And and 
I'm sure that comes across as well in my energy. So, yeah, amazing. It does, Pete. It does, and it's a great story. It's really a cool story. Thank you. I can imagine your wife just thinking, <laughs> "What the hell have you smoked during that? Exactly. During those ten minutes?" <laughs> I, I have a follow-up question, though. Go ahead. Go ahead. You do these laughter sessions with British people, and it uh, works. It does. I know. I know. Not not always. Well, it does. It does. All. I've got a proven proven formula, but definitely at the beginning, everyone's looking, just going, "What's this all about? This yes. is a bit odd." But then, but then once we sort of relax into it, and then by the end of it, it's yeah, everyone is is properly involved, and it's don't get me wrong, it's much better and much more powerful when you're in person definitely and it's so much easier because you've just got to go do this and then everyone does it and they all set everyone off but yeah. it's um but you know the brits we, we are known to be quite um reserved and so i've you know I, i'm pushing as hard as i can to get through but we'll, we'll get there we'll get there step by step exactly Pete, th thanks but, for having shared that, that that great story alex now to you so uh you know computer science engineer yeah um, having uh, uh, physics uh, cl <clears throat> classes how did you end up you know um, in this business of people business of yes happiness? yeah so i got my master's degree and then i went to work in in, in the tech field um and got a couple of jobs in, in it uh, as you know working with tech and didn't really enjoy it uh too much work too little fun um wasn't ha very happy at work uh and then I got a chance to co-found a tech company together with two other guys. And, and we actually, before we started the company, we spent six months talking regularly about what kind of company we wanted. Um, and we decided that we wanted a happy workplace. So, so that's what we created. Uh, we had this, we ran this company in, uh, in Copenhagen for five years. Mm -hmm. um, and then we sold it. And then I decided to, hey, I know some things about happiness work now. I should share this with other companies. Um, and that's when I started my 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 company uh yep. woohoo inc and that's i started doing speeches and workshops uh for clients on how to be a happy workplace um and that's been it, it was really really interesting I, I did it for 17 years i i stopped last year uh because i wanted to do something else but uh but i did get to work with some really cool clients in more than 50 countries around the world so that was pretty awesome and now i'm involved with uh, i, I co-founded another company called heart count uh, which is uh, the best damn tool out there for measuring how happy employees are. There are a million tools. Ours is the best. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> Ours is really good. I don't know if there's best. I don't know all the tools. But it's really good, and you should try it if you want to know how happy your employees are. It's called, uh, we have a, uh, it's called heart count as sort of a, as a, opposed to head count. You know, every organization has a head count, right? Right. Do you know, yeah. do you know where, that, where that word originally comes from? I have no idea. No. Cattle. Oh, yeah. Cows. I, I've, I've read if that. if yeah. you're a if you're a cattle rancher in the U.S., you know how, how many heads of cattle you have. That's your head count. We use that for people now in organizations, mm. um, and we we say that the head count is how many people actually how many people work there, and your heart count is how many of them actually want to work there. Um, and that's really really good to know. Cool, Alex. Thanks for sharing. I have of course. A question to you guys. Oh, and and sorry, I have uh, I have a. There's one thing very few people know about me. I am, in fact, a certified laughter coach. No. Yes, I am. I've never used it. I've never used it professionally. But I actually, uh, I've, I've, uh, for whatever reason, I ended up taking the training. Uh, this is, I have no, it's got to be 2000, 2001 or something. Uh, Dr. Matan Kataria from, from India, the guy who actually invented the whole thing, was in Copenhagen. He did a workshop. I attended. 
Um, so I know exactly what you're talking about, Pete. I know how well this works. Um, and that feeling of you're in a group of people and you just can't stop laughing because it's amazing. It's a magical, magical. This is the magic. It really is. It really is. The, the magic of these shows, it's, it's, we always find something in common with our guests, always. It's really cool. Let, let me tell you a story about laughter. In fact, I was with my wife. We were, um, there was, she was pregnant. It was our first uh, child. And um, we went into this course, a course to prepare yourself for uh, the first child, for the pregnancy, etc. So I was with my wife and we were like 10 couples in a, in a small room. And I, I immediately started laughing when I remember this. And it, she, she lowered the lights. So and she started talking about grab your wife. Now think about um, uh, think about the sea. Now think about uh, the, the ocean waves um, and the sound the ocean waves are making next to next to the, the small rocks on the beach. And the idea was that she wanted to give us the perception of how pregnancy could be, you know, such a calm and incredible moment. And me and my wife, I was, I was hugging her and I started laughing. Um, uh, I started laughing and uh, she started laughing and it, we couldn't stop. The two of us just in the middle of that room, all laughing. <laughs> it was so cool. It was impossible to stop, to be quite honest. <laughs> and it's especially when you're in a situation where you're not supposed to laugh. Exactly, exactly. You're not supposed to laugh. It makes it harder, laugh. doesn't it? And I think also with the body touch as well, when you, because my wife, um, there's times where she, I say, look, we need to laugh because maybe she's feeling a little bit stressed or a bit anxious. And I'm like, I know something that will help that. And she's like, I'm not laughing. So I just give her a little, I just give me, give me a little hug. And I give her a hug. And then I start just jiggling a little bit. And then that's it. We're just laughing. And it's just, it's, it just, it just works. It's it's just, it yeah. is, it is. Cool. Let me, Sergio, thank you so much. Sergio was saying that my sound is a little bit low. So Sergio, I've, op I've, I've raised the, a bit, a little bit the sound. So if, if you can tell me that it's better, I would appreciate. And we have also Sophia here and she's laughing with the, with the story. So thanks, Sophia. <laughs> so guys, uh, moving on. Thanks for having shared that those stories, those incredible stories of how you started the, the, your why. And, and how you started your companies. I have a question about um, how do you guys, you, you are quite positive, you're quite uh, vibrant, uh, good en energy. How do you guys deal with uh, a bad day, with a bad moment? Because we all have those, right? We all have those situations after a road rage, for example, <laughs> we get work and we are not feeling right. So how do you mm -hmm. deal, uh, how do you transfer that positive energy? How do you use it to make it to make that day a little bit better if you do that or if you just spend your day sad and, and you know, grumpy. <laughs> so I, for me first, should I take this one on first? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I, yeah, we, I get funky days. I get days where I don't want to laugh for a start, but yeah. then I will, I will laugh. Um, so every morning I do 10 minutes on Clubhouse on the app. So I, I laugh and I've got a room and I invite people to come along um but there are days where like the weekend it's interesting because i don't laugh so much at the weekend and i have a lie-in so mm -hmm. sometimes i feel a little bit down and i try and move my body that's definitely one thing that helps get out in the fresh air get out and we're quite close to the countryside so i try and get in amongst the trees um and and sometimes i might even just go and have a little lie down have a little nap 
you know, and just and just literally hide myself under the covers and just know that in two hours I'll wake up and start the day again, get in the shower, you know, just get myself ready again. So those are a couple of things that I use to sort of flick, flick my mood. A little nap is the first for me. A little nap, it's, it's cool. Mm. It's, it might be... It's okay, isn't it? Yeah, it's, 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 it's okay. <laughs> you know, I, I think have... the older we get as well, it just becomes the norm then, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, I, work, I worked in an IT company in Brazil, in HP, and there was a guy there, I still remember him, his, his name was Dirceu, and every day at when we, we arrived um, from work, he would be sleeping on his chair, but it was, it was just like this. <laughs> and it was his time, he said, it's a power nap of 10 minutes, I woke up in 10 minutes and he would get like this. And in fact, I'm, I'm quite sure that definitely helped him because that gives that, that extra boost of energy. How about you, Alex? How do you deal with a bad day? Uh, first of all, I think, I think as Pete said, you know, bad days are natural, right? Nobody's, no, I, don't, I, know, I know a lot of people think that happiness is about being perfectly happy every second of every day. And that, that's simply impossible. Yeah, if somebody's happy all the time, there's something wrong with them. Okay. Exactly. Um, so, so bad days are perfectly natural, and yeah, <laughs> well, you know, if it works, it works, right? Um, so, I think the important thing is to accept it, right? I'm having a bad day, and maybe, maybe there's a reason. Maybe there is no reason, right? Um, and 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 for me, at least, I think something that's important is that if I'm with someone, that I let them know, right? If I'm if I'm with my wife, I'll tell her, you know, hey. I'm having a bad day. It's not your fault. Just want you to know I'm I'm just cranky today. Or if you know if I'm at work, I might tell them, "Hey, just so you know, guys, I'm I'm feeling pretty pissed today. Not your fault. Uh, just so you know." I think that helps me a little. And 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 then I think uh, giving giving people space to have a bad day, I think, can actually help them so they don't have to fake being in a good mood, because that actually, in my opinion, make it make there's some research on that actually makes it worse having to. Uh, pretend you don't have negative emotions makes those negative emotions stronger. Um, so I think, I think that's, um, I think that's good to remember that that it's perfectly natural. Nobody's happy every single day, uh, but you can, of course, you can do things that sort of you know make your life better, so you have more good days and fewer bad days. Mm-hmm. And and those things are not rocket science, right? That's you know, uh, have friends, do things that you actually enjoy to do. Uh, uh, move your body occasionally in a way that you enjoy. Uh, uh, you know uh, that kind of that kind of. It's not rocket science. It really Listen to uh, good music. For example. Good music. Uh, go dancing if that's your thing. I, uh, my wife and I just came from a dance class this evening. Uh, we nice. we took up swing dancing four years ago, and it's amazing. So really? cool. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And, and the, you can already do that uh, after the you know the pandemic that is changing. Uh, in, in, we've been very lucky in Denmark. Uh, right. Basically, Danish society is almost fully open now. Okay. Very few, few restrictions left. So dance classes are back. Hallelujah. <laughs> in fact, t- talking about COVID, did that affect it positively or business or not? Because uh, in what way have you experienced you know, more people interested in happiness at work? Because we talk a lot about now mental uh, well-being and mental health, because that has become really relevant in this this last year. How did you guys uh, felt that? I think personally, I, okay. So when I mentioned about the chef agency, so I felt I've personally felt a big kick there. Right. Um, so then, obviously, I suppose on the positive side, I've created this 
this new business out exactly. of out of out of nothing really um but there's yeah there's definitely more intrigue into what i'm doing uh, and i think maybe the way that i present myself online people are like watching it and just going okay this guy's he's a bit crazy he's a bit out there but actually it works and they they're, they're laughing along and so i think i think there's definitely a, a bigger market out there and i, I you know just keep banging on the doors just to say look it's okay to laugh for no reason just come in just come and let me do what i do and feel the benefits so um but i think yeah i think this mental health like it's gonna be it's gonna be a while till we yeah. get through this a long time i think definitely what about you alex well i uh, i stopped the the speaking uh, doing speaking and doing workshops i stopped that on january 1st 2020 and then three months later COVID hit uh, so that was really good timing on my part because I know yeah. from all my friends who are still speakers that that their business took a huge hit, of right? Course. But for uh, so, but for most of them, it's back now, and they're of course doing a lot of virtual work. Uh, as for Heart Count, this tool for measuring happiness at work has actually been pretty good mm -hmm. because a lot of companies are now looking for a way to stay in touch with their employees right. when they're not in the office. Yeah. Uh, I talked to the uh, the HR person from a company in Poland who said that you know having a tool where having a way to actually stay in touch with people had been a lifesaver for her because she used to be able to just walk around the office and, and and look everybody in the eye and see how they're doing and now she couldn't do that because everybody's at home so you need I think that's that's what companies need right now is is some way of uh, of of still staying in touch with people and making sure they're okay and their mental health is okay. Uh, that that being said, um, it, it looks like in, in many countries, the economy is roaring back now. And I think it, it, if this holds up, I think it won't be long before companies are uh, desperate for tools and, and assistance like what you do, Pete, uh, mm -hmm. to keep their staff happy. Right now in Denmark, unemployment is now at the same level, at the same low level as it was before COVID. Mm -hmm. And and uh, there's there's a, a guy I know who runs the biggest uh, job search site in Denmark, and he says they have a crazy amount of new job ads being added to that site every week because yeah. uh, companies are looking for new employees. They're trying to find and and, and they can't find them. Uh, so so it, I I think there there are good signs ahead. Cool. I have a question. It's a bit more a, kind of a challenge challenging question, but how do you deal? You live in a you live no, but you work in an area that uh, has still a lot of bias and preconceptions, etc. So, how do you deal with uh, you know um, when people don't take you seriously? For example, Is, does that happen when you go and talk about happiness or you go and talk about laughter? How do you deal with someone that thinks that that is something? Come on, cut the crap. That's not. <laughs> That's not business. That's not you know. I need results. I need performance. Um, I think yeah. I think it's. I mean, personally, a, a lot of people look at what I do and they do think it's 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 I'm the fun or the silliness. Uh, yeah. But there's stats, you know, statistics tell us that you know laughter is. This is how good laughter is for us. This is how good fun is for us. This is how good being playful, being childlike. You know, the fact that children laugh two to three hundred times a day, and as adults. Well, I, I'm sure us three laugh quite a lot a day, but you know it, it's 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 crazy, and you know I just think I, I, I don't, I've got this vision. It's a bit of a crazy vision, but like take all the cars out of a car park and 
put a load of toys and and hula hoops and footballs and take everybody's phones that were at playtime at playtime it's not playtime it's lunchtime take their toy their, their phones off them and just let them play and then let's see how creative they are and i'm sure alex that's similar to the sort of stuff that you were teaching previously about the fact that fun and 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 happiness and creativity are connected Yes, um, and actually, I, I, I think going back to convincing the skeptics, there are there are, we had we had uh, two approaches. One is to, as you say, use the research, use the science, um, and there's a ton of science on why happy people are more productive, more creative, uh, less sick, stay longer with the company, yada yada yada. So you know, happy companies make more money. But I think there's a flip side to that, which is that some people don't want to be convinced. And you can give them all of the numbers, all of the figures, all of the statistics. They will never change their mind. Um, and and I made a decision very early on uh, doing this work that I, I didn't want to waste any time trying to convince those people. I would much rather spend my time and energy on working with companies who actually get it mm -hmm. uh, and who believe already that this is important. Um, so I, I, I can present all of the stats, the, the statistics, the data, the numbers. I can definitely do that. But if people don't want to believe, you know, that's fine. You run your business your way. I'll be over there helping your competitor, making them happier and more productive so they can run you into bankruptcy and you will be left with nothing. Sucks to be you. <laughs> I, I would love to see that speech. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's that. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Not that yeah. I ever told them that directly, that that was mostly an internal monologue. Of course, yeah. of course, of course. Thanks. So, guys, after this uh, you know, question about uh, why and what you do when people don't take you seriously, which I really loved your, your answers, can you tell me what's what's the most challenging part in the work you do as of today? So, what's what is it most hard, most difficult thing? I think personally, the hardest thing is is getting people to believe that that what I do is is good for them you know that that's again i suppose going to that skeptical side of things it's just like yeah but but once you get into the room it's not hard at all i love i love that bit but it's i suppose the promoting of it and marketing again i enjoy doing it but it's getting that across yeah. to people to say look come on this is just just try it just dip your toe in yeah everybody should try most things at least once to just see what the difference is so um that would be the hardest thing i find about what i do Cool. What about you, Alex? I think that the the the, the huge and this goes for all kinds of consulting and facilitation work. I think the the really hard part is anchoring any change in an organization mm -hmm. so that it it stays there. Uh, uh, all workplaces have like a very powerful immune system that will try to resist any change and kick out you know any new ideas or any new behaviors. Um, so finding ways to introduce a change to an organization so that it sticks so that it becomes lasting so that it doesn't you know it's it works for two months or three months and then bleh, just goes back to right. uh, the same situation as before that's the biggest challenge um and whoever solves that deserves a nobel prize or something <laughs> yeah I, I think it's it's mostly a it's mostly a, a challenge that will never be be solved right it's, well it uh, yeah yeah i mean we're i mean there there's again a ton of research on this that there are brains are sort of lazy right they want to go back to the patterns they know 
Um, so, so getting a uh, getting a whole group of brains, you know, a whole organization to change their patterns, that is hard. It can absolutely be done. We have done it. Other people have done it. There are ways to do it. Um, but it, but it, it really is a challenge. That is the biggest challenge in any kind of work with any kind of workplaces. I, I met a speaker, a guy called Jim Lawless. Uh, I think he's, he's, he's from the UK also. And he wrote a book on change. Uh, he called it uh, Taming Tiger. So, and the idea is that every, any change that, that, that you are um, you know, uh, considered into, immediately you have a tiger in your head that is just roaring and saying, don't you even think about that you know <laughs> don't you even think about trying to laugh that's not for you you know get out stay in your comfort zone don't move <laughs> and that's that's interesting you know i i've changed my my work this 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 year where i've moved from a, you know a technical uh, perspective into a purely people focused uh, and that was completely out of my comfort zone so I love to, to feel that you know numb, numbness and that, that those tickles in your stomach saying that that means something that means you are eventually learning something. Cool guys I have a couple of questions here from from the people I have one from Sergio hello Sergio and he asks what was the most defining example of change of mindset in a company you worked with? I'm going to bat this one to Alex, I think, because I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, Alex. Yeah. Uh, what do you, th how should I understand defying? What do you think, Luis? I'm not sure how it's, it's resisting. It's, uh, you know, yeah. saying that I will not change because I don't yeah. believe in that. It's oh, man. This is, we were talking about. okay. I mean, I'm going to share a sad story now. So you, I, you I got a contract music. Yes. Could you put some sad music on in the background? <laughs> oh man, this, this was, this is uh, it was, this was seriously a low point for me. Cause I, I got a, I got a contract, big contract to work with a client in Denmark, the Danish division of a uh, sort of a French company, uh, 800 people, four, four locations around Denmark. And I got a big contract to work. So first do a management seminar for all the managers, then go to each location and do some workshops, then do some follow-up workshop, uh, follow-up work with, with Auburn management. Um, and, and they were like, I, I felt like they were on board. I felt like they got it. And so we work with them, we complete the whole project and then they do nothing. They implement nothing. They change nothing. And I was so depressed about it. Um, and I, I felt like I reached these people and they spent a lot of time and money on, on our services and they just ended up doing freaking nothing. Um, yeah. That was, that was, uh, yeah, that, and that happens rare, but it happens it just, and I just want to mention just a, uh, to end this on a happy note, I want to mention a counter example, which is uh, a pension company in Copenhagen that we worked with. Um, and we did very little work for them. And, 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 and I was just, this is a pension company, right? So they're focused on money numbers. These are, you know, lawyers and financial planners and economists and, and, you know, people in, in suits and ties. And we did very little work for them. We did one speech, but on the basis of those tools, they basically transformed their entire approach to their culture. Um, I can tell you that it, it worked really well. The staff became a lot happier, a lot less stressed, and their CEO actually won an HR award for the way they transformed the culture and put happiness as one of their three main uh, focuses. 
So that's so those are sort of the two extremes, right? right. You, you you break your heart working for this client and it it has no impact and you you know give this client a little notch and they just take the ball and run with it and it's amazing. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Pete, I have a question for you. Does quite well, does laughter means happiness? To me? Or to to, to just I, I just would, I would uh, say to you first. Yeah, yeah I don't let, let's uh, see how it evolves. Okay, so I I mean you don't you don't need to be happy to laugh for a start. You know, our bodies don't know the difference between fake and real laughter. So we, we, we just go through the motions till laughter comes. So but I if I don't laugh, then I can be quite stressed and quite not right. angry is not the right word, but quite short with mm -hmm. especially with my children. They're ten and eight. I think children are just testing anyway, generally for, yes, for yeah, every um, single moment. Yeah, exactly. Okay, great. I'm not the only one. Brilliant. No. So, uh, but um, so does laughter make me happy, or is laughter happiness? I think it's definitely a part of happiness for me. Um, it's it's part of a, a whole ecosystem. There's other things that make me happy, but so, but if I, you know, yeah. So yes, laughter is happiness. If that's a roundabout way answer for that one. <laughs> cool. You, you, you've said something uh, that uh, I, I've heard you saying, uh, I think a couple of times that laughter helps reduce stress and anxiety. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How, how does that happen? What, 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 what does laughter bring to your, your body and mind that, that helps you reduce anxiety and stress? Yeah, sure. So when you when you laugh, you take deep oxygenated breath for a start. So I mean, we, we've got 20% of our, our lungs are filled with oxygen that we hardly ever breathe out. So when we're doing proper belly laughs, we're breathing that oxygen out, we're getting fresh mm -hmm. oxygenated blood in, which then fires up the blood around the body, which fires up our endorphins, which are our happy hormones. So and we get spikes of uh, endorphins, serotonin, dopamine. So all these positive chemicals are washing our brain. And that ultimately, you, when you're also laughing and you're in the moment, you can't be stressed or anxious, especially when you're in that moment of uncontrollable laughter and you know you 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 can't control anything that's going on. You're just literally present, and that's the magical side of it as well. Because I feel that. You know, like I say, you can't be stressed or anxious at that moment, but it also lasts for quite a long time as well. So when you do laugh and you get to that uncontrollable bit, it can last sort of six, eight, ten, twelve hours through the day, and it just so it cool. does curb the curb the anxiety and stress. Have you ever had someone that you know started a session with you and then stopped because she or he said, "Pete, this is not working for me. Um, I'm not in it." Not, not to my face, definitely not. Okay. Um, they really the, um, do it. They really try hard, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, there's, there's been people that may be a bit slower from the front end, so they'll, they'll, yeah. you know, especially some Zoom. You you can see them on the screen. You know, you, you've got everybody there. You, but I don't know. It must be a natural human instinct to just focus on the people that aren't really engaged with you at the time. And um, so there's been times where I've done sessions, and I felt that they didn't. Re they weren't engaged with it but then at the end of the session they go that was really good I feel really great now and I haven't laughed like that and I think well they weren't laughing but some people laugh inwardly and they don't like to laugh outwardly so it's it was it's still a win um, and then the in-person people you know when I've done in-person sessions there's definitely 
people and it, and it sort of goes back to trying to convince i suppose people that are those naysayers that don't mm -hmm. really believe and i fell into that trap at the beginning alex where where i would go into a room and you, you focus on that person who's not laughing because right less well actually i now i know focus on the people that are really laughing because actually you get a better response and that will naturally ripple out so um but i've never had anyone walk out that i know of um but i've been i cool. suppose in the moment so exactly <laughs> thank you pete alex i have here a question that maybe you 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 could you could answer it's a question from joao souza what's the best advice you guys can give to someone that just started the path of happiness in a new company that's inside of a huge corporation great talk thank you to all Ooh, thanks for the question joao yeah that's a great question and uh, first of all, what a great position to be in. Um, and, and I would say, uh, I would say a, a couple of things. First of all, that uh, don't be afraid to try stuff. Okay, you know, if, if you have an idea and you think this might make somebody happy, try it and, and see what happens. Um, and, but, but also realize that, that uh, you are pushing maybe the organization. Um, and, and uh, that, again, that if you try something new and 10 people love it and one, one person hates it, who are you going to hear from? The person who hates it. That, that's, that's just how people are. So, so if you have a good idea, try it. And, and don't be discouraged if somebody hates it. Maybe a lot of other people out there love it. Um, I would also say that one thing that's absolutely crucial is to look at the research. And again, there's, there's a ton of great research on you know, why happiness work is important and what makes us happy at work. And if you don't know that research, you, you can end up doing a lot of stuff that just does not work. Uh, I think, I think my, one thing that really frustrates me is that a lot of companies want to be great workplaces, but they focus a lot of, you know, a lot of attention on like perks, mm -hmm. uh, like you know, let's put a gym in the office or let's have really fancy food or you know, let's have really expensive office furniture or whatever, right? And none of that stuff works. It, it, it really, really doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't make anybody any happier in the workplace. Um, so, so look at the research and figure out what it actually is that makes people happier at work so you can, so you can do things that have a, a, a much better effect on people. Um, and then I would say my final tip, I could have a, a million tips, but I think one that is really important is to find uh, compatriots, uh, find mm -hmm. some allies inside the organization who believe the same thing that you do, that happiness at work is important. Uh, because uh, again, you might face a lot of uh, skepticism. And, and, and if, you know, if, if, if you have a, a couple of other people around you who, who can support you and believe as you do that this is important, that can make it a lot easier. So I think those are some 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 things that can uh, that can really help and 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 make no mistake about it. I mean, one person can make a huge difference. I've seen organizations where you know uh, uh, I worked with uh, with uh, the Shell refinery in Copenhagen, sorry, in Denmark, and there there was one of the electricians decided that he wanted to be the chief happiness officer, so he took on that role and started doing cool things, and he got support from management and support from the coworkers and did a lot of great things to make the, the workplace a little happier. So one person can absolutely make a difference if, if you follow the research and do the right things. If you do the wrong things, nothing's going to happen. It's just going to be a waste of time. So Alex, 
if, if we if I ask the question about uh, you were talking about perks, which I understand, so those you know side things, but is 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 in your uh, experience salary and uh, the compensation, right, the the benefits that you get, the the net salary that you get, isn't that still one of the key reasons for um, for being happy? Nope. <laughs> no, does that answer your question? <laughs> let, me, let me tell you that I've read the research, so I'm, yeah. this is more a rhetorical question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I know you know, Louise. I know not. you know. Tell me why not. Uh, it, it, the money can make you unhappy. So if your salary is unfair, if you know that this guy actually does worse work than you do, he's not as good as you are, but he's still making more money, that can make you unhappy. Yeah. Or if your salary is, is so low that you actually can't live on it that you know you have financial troubles because your salary is too low in that case it can make you unhappy um so of course we deserve a fair salary i mean salary should be fair that's that's right. just obvious right um but uh, a high salary uh, will not make you happy and and trust me when i say that there are plenty of people you know lawyers or doctors who make a shitload of money and still hate their jobs and and you don't want to be in that situation uh it would be, be better to make a shitload of money in a job you actually enjoy um yeah so no uh, money bonuses in fact i think a lot of the time they distract uh from the actual efforts uh to to make people happy at work if, if that's where the focus is instead we just we need to make sure that we pay people fairly and then we need to focus on the things that actually make people happy at work thank you pete let me dig into that other work that well that first work that you have which is the <laughs> chef's uh, uh, company for recruiting company, right yeah T tell me a bit about that what what are the, the what do you search or um what do um you know other chefs search when they are trying to figure out who can be their their next chef so uh, what, how, how does the concept of the the job yeah, work exactly, you mean? because so, like, i can tell you I'm, I'm used to it talent it people mm -hmm. right so i know what i should be searching on what i should be focusing on in terms of technical and and uh, human skills. How about yeah. the chef? What, okay, so, so I mean, the the agency we run supplies relief and temporary cover for a start. So okay. we we don't have full time positions. Right. Um, but I mean, if we so if we were looking for a chef, definitely experience is is key. But we we put in some values into our business uh, probably about six years ago, and the it was the best thing we ever did for our company was put core values because all of a sudden we had our our four corners, and and it just meant that we recruited on those values. So we actually um Ooh. so like a, a little story we, we used to have a table we, we used to have an office we don't have an office anymore but that's again another covid story but right. we used to have a, a table football um table and uh the first thing we used to do was when a chef walked in we'd offer that we'd say red or blue to play a game <laughs> with them and just because we wanted to break down it was a courtesy it was first impression two of our values there was only a couple of chefs that refused to do it. And before they didn't even know, but we, they had the best skills in the world, but we just didn't recruit them because they didn't show our values. And um, so, you know, they can be the best they can on paper or even on skills, you know, they, and a lot of chefs, you know, if they're really good, they've also got the arrogance about them as well. So when you're placing someone like that into a job, especially in a temporary, they, they, they want to try and maybe run the, uh, and tell the management how to do things. And, and that's going to just rile up the customer as well. So it, it's, mm -hmm. 
it's um yeah it's we, we always look for personality is the first thing and and obviously being able to do the job is important as well but having the skill set isn't as important as being able to sort of turn up look 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 good when they turn up and just be polite and courteous so yeah what are your four four values that you recruit for so courtesy teamwork first impressions and efficiency nice so i do think because it's been a while since i did that so um but yeah those those are the ones so like i say first impressions were as soon as the chef walked in you know we, we had chefs that they'd come come to the office cigarette flip the cigarette walk into the office and we're just like it's what are man. you doing i i'm in i'm in this is me <laughs> Well, you did, but then they, and then they'd come in and they're just like, uh, and they're, oh, uh, yeah. So, and, and you know full well they're going to do exactly the same thing when they go to the jobs as well. So it's, right. but, but we also recruited within, within the office as well. So our teams were, it was all very much, our culture was really strong actually. So we, we had, and again, like the, the perks, we had the little perks, we had the table tennis table, which was, which was great because actually, when things got quite stressful because they can when especially when chefs are letting you down and you've got customers going where's my chef you just put the phone down i used to look and and, and it goes back to alex being able to see the people in their eye and and understand You'd, i'd look at my my team and i'll go right do you want a quick knock should we, should we just go and knock it out for five minutes and then back on so it's um you know I, i'm a firm believer of culture definitely it's, it's got to be right and and i love like Alex, what you've been saying about you know the, the the injecting that fun into into the workplace and stuff. Great, great story, Pete. Uh, can you imagine that chef walking in? I think I, I have I have his face already in my. my <laughs> and uh, and and kudos to you for having this focus in that industry because mm. uh, you know kitchens and restaurants are not known for having a good culture at all I, right. i just got to watch uh anybody who's interested should look up the what's the the documentary about gordon ramsay called i haven't Which... seen it okay uh i i forget you can I find it if you google it you can find it and this is from from about i think about 15 20 years ago he's opening a new restaurant and he is being a complete jerk to mm. everyone around him he's treating people so badly um yeah and and this is rampant you know you know pete i don't have to tell you this is rampant in that industry so kudos yeah. for for doing something about it and trying to create something better and i think it's it, you know even even now sort of there's that i don't know what it's like in portugal and denmark but there's a massive shortage of chefs now because the the industry you know they, they work in weekend chefs work when everyone else wants to go out and have a good time yes. so you know it, it's um And so I think now the people that are going to actually get the best out of the, get the best chefs to work for them are the ones that are going to look after them. And it's not just about the money. It's not just about the money. It's about being able to let them have the time off when they want time off, being able to, you know, sort of, yeah, just, just care about them and make them feel like a real person rather than just a number like Gordon Ramsay. You know, he's obviously a different he's gone to a different place now he's, he's obviously a, a television superstar now right. so um but yeah you know guys i have uh, that that remind me a story that happened to me today because we were talking about these these companies that start to to create their values to put their focus on on those uh, key aspects but there are hundreds thousands of companies that have 
not a single idea what we're talking about. They, they still live like they, they were living 50 years ago. And in my, I live in a small neighborhood in, in here in the outskirts of Lisbon. And there is a couple of guys are working on construction on the house next to mine. And every, this has, has been like this for the rest, for the last two weeks. And every day they are just shouting with each other, screaming, <laughs> calling names to each other. You stupid guy, you shouldn't do that. And the other, and I was just, come on, how can these guys work every single day for 15 days? They, they are coming to work, shouting with each other, calling names. Today I called my, uh, I've said that I've texted by my, my neighbor here. I said, Miguel, do, do you really, are you at home? <laughs> because if you are at home, I would you know, give you an Oscar because it would be impossible to be at the same home where these guys are. And then he replied me, you know, I think they are a family and this is his brother-in-law and they have a really <laughs> shitty relationship of my... This is that's oh, that's the thing with family family businesses, you know. You hear exactly. so many horror stories with family businesses. <laughs> it's um, yeah, guys. It's it's been fifty three minutes already, but it, it has time has flew. But uh, I have this last section of of my of, of this show. I would like to ask you um, for a reference for something that has somehow inspired you in the past or still in, inspires you today. A talk, a scene, a, a film, um, I don't know, a, a person or book, anything that you would like to share in terms of, uh, you know, that has been inspirational somehow to you guys. Alex okay, is still so, thinking because he's looking up, so he's still yeah. thinking. Let's go to you, Pete, maybe. <laughs> oh, <damn. laughs> I always I always get the name of the actual um, episode. It's, it's Ernst Ern Nightingale. And it's um, mm. the secret. I will Google it in a second whilst Alex okay. is going. I'll let you know what it is. But it's all about the power of the mind. And I it dropped into my focus about probably about eight years ago. And it just changed the way that, that just I, I just I am basically now because it's all about how, you know, you, you whatever you put into your mind, you, it's what you can conceive, what you conceive is manifestation and just that, that visualization. And it's. I need to get the name of it and I will oh, find can, the name yeah, of it. Find the name and then right. we can put it. I'm doing it now. Comments. I'm doing it now. Doing it now. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> How about you, Alex? What, what has inspired you? Or what I, 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 there are a million things that can inspire me, but I, there's one thing I want to, I really want to mention. Uh, there's a, a, a TV show called The Good Place. Okay. Have any of you guys seen it? No. Nope. With Kristen Bell, Ted Danson? No. It's, it's amazing. It's uh, it's on Netflix in Denmark. I don't know if, where you can find it. Otherwise, um, the good place and the, it's it's uh, the premise is that uh, Kristen Bell plays this woman called Eleanor Shellstrop. She's died and she's gone to the good place. She wakes up there. She's told there's a good place and a bad place, and you're in the good place because of the amazing things you did. You were such a good person on earth. And then already in the first episode, it turns out that she's not supposed to be there. She's the wrong Eleanor Shellstrop. She was actually a terrible person on earth and she was supposed to go to the bad place. And now she has to make sure that nobody discovers the mistake. So she now has to learn how to be a good person. Uh, the show is fairly short. It's only four seasons, I think of, of 12 episodes each. So fairly short. It's hilarious. It's a comedy. It is mm -hmm. hilarious. But you will also, if you watch it, you will learn a lot 
about what it means to be a good person. And this is the only, the only comedy show that regularly references Immanuel Kant, uh, Søren Kierkegaard, Plato, Aristotle, um, all of the great philosophers, and will actually give you a really good uh, introduction to Kantian philosophy, to uh, to uh, virtue ethics, to uh, things like um, altruism, to things like uh, mm -hmm. it, it's it's so it, it's hilarious. It's actually very educational. It's um, and and uh, it has the most beautiful ending of any TV show I've ever seen. The last two episodes are a masterpiece and every time i think i watch them three or four times i cry every time because it's so beautiful uh so the good place go watch it that show is so amazing and by oh and by the way and by the way if you do something else that's inspiring is there is a podcast for the good place one of the mm -hmm. actors from the series uh actually doesn't does an episode of the podcast for every episode of the show where he will in, uh, interview some idea. of the writers or the the cast or the costume designers or whatever and and you get a real sense that the people who worked on this show had such a great time doing it they all loved each other they worked well together they all supported each other and they all uh, had such a great time on this project and i think that's that's just you know the show is beautiful in itself and everybody working on it called it the good place because they just loved working there so beautiful beautiful show watch it listen to the podcast it's amazing thank you very amazing. much the, yeah. the strangest, strangest secret, Earl ah, Nightingale. Okay, that's cool. There I'll you then go. write it down on the, on the, on the, on the comment section, and we can, and I'll share it with everyone. All right. And I'm going cool. to watch the Good Place. That's what I'm going to ah, do when too. I finish. <laughs> let me know what you think. Let I me know seriously. Let me know what you think. Guys, I have we have you know uh, two minutes. Uh, I just have one last uh, question to you. Was this a cool place to be during one hour? Was it good for you? Did you enjoy meeting your new online friend? Definitely, yes. definitely. Cool. <laughs> and the shirt buddies, yeah? Yeah. See, <laughs> I will never forget. It, I, and let me confess, it's the first time I've used this. Oh, <laughs> there you go. My sister, and it's the first time now I'm going to send her a picture and tell her I <laughs> finally not the last. used it. Yeah. <laughs> So thank you guys uh, for everyone that is uh, online. Also, thank you. Great show, Eloy says. Thank you, Eloy, for being there. Thank you so much for, for this time and for having had the, 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 you know, the generosity of spending one hour with me. I wish and you all you, the Thank you, Luis. It happens. Alex, Pete, stay strong, stay safe, and stay well. Stay happy. See you guys. Thank you. Talk Take to you care. Guys. Bye. Thank Bye. <laughs> We end up with a laugh, see? <laughs> <laughs>